Heritage Media. Here at Wisebury Heritage, we have sales agents, property managers, admin, marketing media, and today we are talking to a pretty special person. Danielle is a property manager with us at Wisebury Heritage, and she's been living with Crohn's disease since she was 13. On today's show, we're going to talk to her about her life and her disease and how she's overcome it. I do need to precipice that before we start today's show, I am not a medical physician, nor is Danielle. And this is just an interesting conversation about living and managing a life with Crohn's disease. Here's Danielle. Hi, Danielle. Hi, Carly. So straight up, for anyone listening that has heard of Crohn's disease but doesn't know what it is, can you explain? Yeah, absolutely. So it's a disease that affects your digestive tract, so your mouth all the way through. Um, it is a disease that doesn't have a cure. So it is something that you do have to try and just keep under control. Okay. And is it different to colitis? It is. There's the same symptoms, but colitis is easier to control because it only affects that large bowel where Crohn's is everything right through. So tell me about your diagnosis. I was diagnosed with Crohn's disease when I was 13. Um, so very young. It's not a it's not a lovely d- disease to explain. Mm. So um, basically lots of blood and a lot of it. So. Okay. And was it overnight or was it just something really gradual that your parents noticed or that you noticed? I was so scared to tell my parents that there was something wrong with me. So I knew something was wrong, um, but I was that frightened. I didn't know how to tell them. So it was probably, it was quite fast, but because I didn't say anything for a while, they noticed the rapid weight loss and loss of appetite. So they pulled me out of school and took me to the doctors. They thought I had an eating disorder because mm-hmm. I didn't tell them what was going on. And is that loss of appetite because it hurts to eat or you just genuinely don't feel like eating? Just generally don't feel like it. So it's a lot of pain. Um, rapid weight loss was huge. I think I lost something like 12 kilos in two weeks. So um, really, it happened really quick. It was really quick, yeah. So being 13 high school? Yes. First year of high school, and you can understand why they probably would have thought eating disorder. Absolutely. And because I was so frightened and I'd kind of gone quiet, they had no idea what was going on. So I'm at school one day and I get this call and mum's like, you know, we're taking you to the doctors. And I was like, why? (laughs) So she pulled me into, like, took me out of school, took me to the doctors and the doctor sat down and started questioning and he knew straight away what was going on. So it was very obvious that it was possibly Crohn's. Yes. Straight yeah. away. Had Straight you... away. That afternoon I was in hospital having a blood transfusion. Really? Yeah. Okay. So were you small to begin with? Yeah. Yeah. I've never had um, like a lot of weight on me. So I was like a skeleton. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it was pretty dramatic. It was. Anyway. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So the doctor knew what it was straight away, so it wasn't any second guessing. He, yeah, so that was just the GP. So he sent me straight to hospital for obviously the tests and everything. But once he started asking questions, he he picked up what it was. And your parents just had no idea because you hadn't explained any symptoms to them? No, they were so shocked. They had convinced themselves that it was an eating disorder. So I don't even know what's better. I don't know either. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know whether they would have been relieved or terrified. Did you... At 13, you would have heard of it but not knew what it was or not even on your radar? Had no idea what it was. Is there any history of it in your family? Is no. It, 
And is it hereditary? It can be, they say, um, but they can't, they don't know. If they did, I think they'd be able to have a cure if they knew more about it. Yeah. Yeah. How common is it in Australia? It's becoming very common, actually, and a lot more in younger people. So I remember when I was diagnosed, they were a bit surprised that I had it so young um, because it was something that they said more adults got. Um, But now living with it, I am finding out that a lot more like teenagers and people in their 20s are getting it. And is it shared across males and females? Yes. Yeah, it is. So how did it affect – so you find out you've got Crohn's. Yep. What happens? I was put straight into hospital for a blood transfusion because I had to, I had a lot of the blood loss. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I was sent straight to Westmead Children's Hospital uh, where I was there for two weeks and undergone a lot of tests and surgeries to confirm that it was Crohn's. And were they invasive surgeries? Um, at first they weren't. They kind of did just your first basic tests, um, like your MRIs, blood tests, um, they had a look on the inside, mm-hmm. all that type of stuff. Okay. Yeah. So you get home and you've got all the medications and you've got some pamphlets, you've had all these tests. Do you instantly overnight have to change your lifestyle, what you eat, when you sleep, stress, all that stuff? It was a huge change. I think not for just me but the family as well. None of us knew what it was. It was it was a huge change. So we lived in Bathurst at the time um, and had to go to Sydney for my doctors and everything. So it was just, it was massive. And I imagine when you're 13 back then, it wouldn't have been the internet like it is now with the information that it is now. No. It would have been quite hard to get access the way we could now if you had it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So mum did a lot of the research and as they do. (laughs) So biggest thing was diet? Um, they do say diet has a lot to do with it. And if it is something that isn't under control, diet is massive. Um, you can eat one thing that you think's fine and next minute you're just in so much pain. So do you, and does that come and go or do you just have basically lists of foods that you just cannot eat? Yep. Yep. So everyone's different with the Crohn's and the colitis. Um, there's certain things that you can eat. Um, and then someone else could not be able to eat that. So what's your top five that you wish you could but you just can't? Well, back then, um, <laughs> chocolate. I could not eat chocolate. And yeah. I loved, like, my sweets. Yeah. Um, so I remember that was my biggest one. Um, and I, people look at me like, you don't want to eat chocolate? I'm like, no, trust me. <laughs> I do. <laughs> I do. Um, okay. And now, obviously, being an adult alcohol, can you drink alcohol? Look, where I am right now, touch wood, I'm in remission. Yeah. Um, I've undergone a lot of surgeries throughout that time. So I'm in a very good position right now. So is it? So it's something that flares up and calms down? Yes. So you can have either, is it good days or good months? How does it, when it's flared up, how long will the flares last for? Uh, that depends on the person and how bad the flare is. Um, so they couldn't get mine under control. I ended up being in hospital for three and a half months straight. Um, first child in Australia to have chemotherapy for Crohn's disease. Wow. So I went through a lot of different treatments and trials because uh, I was such a young age. My parents didn't really want me to go through the big surgeries, mm-hmm. um, but I did have to end up having that at 16. Okay. So can you talk to me about the big surgery? Yeah, absolutely. So that's where they went in and took my whole large intestine out because mm-hmm. um, they just couldn't control it. So they took the whole large intestine out and then I have an ileostomy bag. Mm-hmm. 
um, which is something that I will have forever. Okay. And that's a big decision at 16. Obviously, still being considered a child, it's something your parents... How much input did you have to that decision? Um, I didn't have much input from 13 to 16. My parents... I was just so unwell. Mm. I couldn't really say much. I didn't really understand. I didn't know what was going on. So it was really the doctors and my parents making the decisions. So I understand why my parents didn't want me to go through that surgery younger. Um, It was something that the doctors did want to happen, but I'm glad my parents fought as long as they could without me getting it. Um, And then they just came in and they said, we can't, we can't do anything. You need to do it. Yeah. Yeah. So that happens. It's major surgery. Yeah. And life changing. Yeah. But I imagine not just life changing in a way that you've now got a bag, but life changing because you can do things. And are you still in after that happened? Was it quite instant? Yeah, I had a lot of complications after um, the surgery. So I was still in hospital for a while after that. Um, but before the surgery, so you know when you over-exercise mm-hmm. and you feel like you need to vomit, mm-hmm. I couldn't even wash my hair without feeling like that. So I had no life, mm-hmm. none at all. So after recovering from the surgery and getting the bag and looking back now, it, it saved my life. I mean, I almost lost my life three times to Crohn's disease. So a bag is nothing. It's yeah. a lifesaver, really. I actually, in doing some research for this podcast, I read a story about a young woman in her early 20s who got a bag and she hated it until she flipped it around and went I've had to change my relationship with it because it actually saved my life yeah absolutely absolutely I remember when I first got it I refused to have anything to do with it the nurses would come in and I'd cry I just I didn't want to look at it I didn't want to touch it I wanted nothing to do with it it took it was probably when I got to about 2021 when I realized that it, I accepted it. Five years. Yep. So I guess you saw it as this, just this attachment that you yeah. absolutely rejected and hated. And yeah. you're at that age too where every female from 16 to 22, very you know formative years of how you look and boys and how it took you obviously that long. Yeah. So at first they thought it might have been able to be reversed then I might not have the bag um, but then as things went on I had a few other surgeries after that and they said no like it's something that you will have forever so I had to just accept it it was there and then I had to then learn to dress and how you could you know wear certain clothes but still you know fit into the fashion and yeah, yeah. so I mean I've seen Instagram it doesn't stop you doing a thing no do you what can't you do? Um, Is there anything you can't do? No, no. I know at the start they say, you know, you might not be able to do certain things and sports and exercise and anything like that. But honestly, it it hasn't stopped me. If I want to do something, I'll do it. Does more care need to be taken? Yeah, definitely. And I think you realise that too and you, you don't take your health for granted um, or your body for granted, especially when, you know, you've been through so much and you've had a huge surgery that has given you your life. Um, so you do be a little bit more careful with things that you do, but exercise and all that type of stuff, the beach, everything, I still do it. Okay. So I just want to go back to the symptoms because yep. 
I was under the impression that obviously, you know, you would lose weight and it would affect your appetite, but you're also talking about, you know, being so lethargic you couldn't even wash your hair. That's obviously a symptom. Yes. Yep. So because there was like you've lost so much weight and your loss of appetite, you're not getting the nutrition, um, but it's the huge amount of blood that you lose as well. So you just, you have no energy, nothing. Your body's just trying to fight. So does that then affect, obviously there's a huge physical impact on that, I imagine, with, you know, your hair and your skin and your, you know, just that little sparkle in your eye, but also there'd have to be huge emotional. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Especially those um, years of being in high school and, you know, everyone's going out and the girls are going shopping or, you know, dinner or parties or things like that. I missed out all of that. Um, looking back now, it was tough, um, but I've bounced back. So did you have a lot of, um, therapies and counselling to help you understand what was going on and just the emotional toll it would have taken? Yeah, look, there was a little bit on offer. I think if it was now, there'd be a lot more. Um, so I got diagnosed when I was 13. So we're going back like 15 years ago. I think there's a lot more awareness around it now and how it does affect people mentally. Yeah. Um, so there could have been more, but... At the time there wasn't. Yeah. And what about now? I imagine there's support groups and, um, you know, pages and pages of people who have the same thing and you can bond together. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think with social media now too, it's a lot easier to jump on board on those groups and pages and, you know, you can jump on Instagram and there's just people that are just really pushing the awareness of it so it's becoming more more normal mm-hmm. yeah. I um I did I, I in the research I I did google and images actually yeah. and the amount of young fit fabulous people in their board shorts and in their bikinis with a bag completely normal yeah not even bothered by it living their life yeah yep which I love because it's very confronting for people especially it's something they don't know about um, and then to see something like that on someone's body, it's well, it's not normal. Body image is such a huge thing now. Um, so to see these people out there just showing off their bodies and that's who they are and that's that's them um, is what I admire and what I look up to. So that's where I've started to accept it too. And there's been a couple of images that I've posted, which I would never have done years ago because I was so self-conscious of it. But it's me. And I'm alive because yeah, of it. So. Absolutely. So is there a stigma to it now or do you think it's getting better? I think there will always be a stigma to it. I think there's a stigma to every disease and any sort of something that's not normal, um, which is a shame. But I think the more that people speak out about it and show it and just be themselves, it is becoming more acceptable. Yeah. Yeah. And you mentioned um, earlier that, you were told as a teenager that this would affect your life. You would never have a full-time job. Yes. Is that because you would be tired? You, you know, I mean, you can't wash your hair. How are you supposed to hold down a full-time job? Is that yeah. basically what they said? Yeah, yep. They prepared me that I wouldn't be able to work full-time. Um, I was a teenager at the time when they said that. I then and there, honestly, I didn't care. I was just like, just get me better and get me out of this hospital. Like, yeah. I was trying to do my HSE and I had to drop out of that. So the whole future at that point 
I didn't even know what I was going to do. So when the doctor told me that I wasn't going to be able to hold a full-time job, I was like, just get me healthy and get me out of here. Um, And you now work full-time? I do work full-time. Wise Pre-Heritage? Yes. As a property manager? Yes. Managing 119, 120 property? No, 190. Yeah, about 190. Properties? Yep. Um, How is your day different to someone else who's also a property manager who doesn't have Crohn's? I'm fairly lucky at the moment because I am in remission, so it is under control. Um, So I wouldn't say it's too much different and I try not to make it different to anyone else. Um, I don't let the bag or the disease control me. Mm -hmm. Um, I control it and that's how I've got my life. Yeah. Yeah, I'm thankful for it, but I'm in control. So obviously no special treatment. You just get up and do your job. Most people wouldn't even know I have it. No. So getting dressed in the morning, going for a a run with the dog, all that stuff, is it just a little bit harder or it's just your normal? It's become my normal. Um, First starting it, it is a little bit harder. I think once you get the right clothing um, and support, uh, it's fine. Yeah. Okay. Yep. So what do you do now? You're in remission. What do you do to stay healthy? Diet is one that I do... Um, probably follow the most just because if I'm healthy then the disease is healthy Mm -hmm. Um, because I've had all of it cut out I'm good at the moment but that with the Crohn's disease it can come at any time and in any part of that digestive tract so you've got to stay healthy I'm on my medications I make sure I'm always um, got my regular checkups and blood tests um, and just a little bit of light exercise. So you're living with this disease that's now in remission and you're pretty empowered by it, I'd say, and it's given you a new perspective of, you know, growing up young girls complaining about a pimple and here you are with all these, you know, having gone through chemotherapy and obviously the impact on your family and months and months in hospital. That's obviously empowered you to just live your life. Yeah, absolutely. I think... When you're confronted with something so huge that has almost taken my life three times, you've got to bounce back. I mean, when you, if someone almost loses their life once, I think that changes it, but three is huge. And then to have a bag stuck on the outside of my body is nothing. I mean, it's nothing that I've got, like compared to having my life. I was in Westmead Children's Hospital, um, in the gastro ward so I met a lot of young children throughout that time people waiting for kidneys and livers and they didn't make it like I'd make friends with people and you'd go back for checkups and find out that they didn't make it Mm. (laughs) so yeah (laughs) talk to me about your parents my parents are my biggest supporters yeah um I remember my mum said to me I posted my first photo on social media and she rang me in tears and she's like I can't believe you've done that it's remarkable she's like you've just accepted it you've embraced it and she's like we fought so hard for your life and she'll pull me up every now and then and if I succeed at work or something at home and she's just like you know you've just bounced back so much from you know being so sick for all those teenage years and you know, they didn't know if I was going to make it there a few times. So yeah. I think they just stop and they're amazed. They're absolutely amazed. And I know they're my, like, number one supporters. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. 
It's just incredible and I, I guess they've been through it. If anyone gets it, they get it. And yeah. And they, every single step of the way, and they would just marvel at what you do and how far you've come. Yeah, absolutely. And my mum every now and then if I'm having a bit of a rough day like mentally or just a bad day like from work or anything, she'll stop and go, look how far you've come. Mm. And you do. She's like, you always just need to take that a couple minutes every day and just stop and go, look how far I've actually come. Yeah. Tell me, yep. has humour played a big part of it? Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> Especially, like, people don't know about it. Um, so when you start to explain it to them, you know, they stop and or they'll make a joke or I'll make a joke and people just don't, they don't know how to take it. Yeah. Um, so I think humour definitely helps. I think humour helps with everything. Yes. Um, Have you got siblings? I do. And they'd be pretty tough on you, right? Because yeah. siblings tell it like it is. <laughs> yeah. You don't get any special treatment from them. No, no. So I've got a um, a younger sister and a younger brother. Uh, so they went through it all with me too. Mm. It was um, it changed all our lives. But um, yeah, I I don't want special treatment. No, no. They keep it real <laughs> yeah. always. Yeah. If a teenager or a person in their early twenties just been diagnosed, what do you have for them? What advice do you have for them, or even their parents? What? I think the parents would be just be patient. As I don't know how easy that is compared to it being said, um, but it's it's something so hard to wrap your head around that something's going on in your body that you can't control, and especially when you don't you don't know what it is. You can't see it either. You, no, you know you can't see it. Um, you've just you've got to ride the waves and you've just got to do what you feels right, um, whether that's diet, the medications surgeries don't don't fight it but you've you got to go with what's right and just be patient with yourself as well mm. and what about someone who's a teenager who's been diagnosed call me <laughs> <laughs> um it's don't I, hide it from your parents yeah don't hide it from your parents um yeah uh it's it's hard yeah and don't don't be hard on yourself. You've just, it's hard to accept, but I think the sooner you accept it is the sooner you start to move forward and the more that you're mentally okay with it, I think your body kind of reacts with that too. Mm. I guess if you're always at war with your mind, that's yeah. not healthy. Yeah, exactly. Because from what I've read, stress can flare it up as well. Yeah, so that's why people go, and you pick the most stressful industry to work in. <laughs> Yeah. yeah yeah so that was yes so eight years in real estate now and um I don't know if I could have picked a more stressful industry but <laughs> it suits you though you're so good at what you do what help organizations are out there for people needing assistance uh, so there's Crohn's and Colitis Foundation Australia who were amazing so you can call them at any time you can become a member with them um there's lots of local support networks if you start to read into it um there's ones around the central coast newcastle and sydney social media is probably the biggest one where i pick up people uh especially with like just instagram um there's a couple of podcasts out there now where people are starting to speak about it more um but if you go through your local doctors and stuff they can point you in the right directions as well yeah how do you cope busy day nine ten hour day stressful day you're in remission yep 
knowing it can flare up at any time. Yeah. I I don't know. <laughs> you just do it. You just live. I just, yeah, yeah. It goes back to it doesn't control me. Um, I I live my life. It's you, you don't know how long you're going to be here for. I don't know how long that I'm going to be in remission for. So I'm going to do um, what it is that I want to do at that time and work hard now while I can work hard. Uh, that was my biggest thing on getting into real estate was while I'm in remission and I can do this, I'm going to really do this because uh, I just, yeah, I just go for it. How long have you been in remission for? Since I was about 24, I think, yeah. So they just test you? Yep, so I just go back and have regular blood tests now um, and you start to understand your body and you know when something's not right. Mm. You, yeah, you pick up on it first. Yeah, that's great news. Yeah. Thank you so much. No, that's okay. It was lovely chatting to you. You too. Thanks, Danielle. <laughs> Thanks, Carly. I hope you found today's episode helpful. As usual, we'll pop all the links and recommendations in our show notes. Today's episode was produced by Kieran Christie and hosted by me, Carly Eldridge. Bye for now. Heritage Media.